Well, let me begin by saying good morning to all of you. I want to say good morning to those of you joining us in our traditional sanctuary. And if you're out there online somewhere around the world, welcome to you guys too. We're, uh, you'll see in both of our live worship venues this morning, we've got ushers in, our, uh, in the aisles bringing Bibles up to the front. If you'd like to borrow a Bible this morning, if you didn't bring yours with you or have one on a phone or a tablet, please feel free to borrow one. You can put it on the shelf in the back of the room after. I'd encourage you to do that if you don't have one. It's just a good opportunity even to practice finding passages in the Bible and learning to read the story of Jesus for yourself. We're in the last week of a little mini-series right now, a little a pause as we've been reading the life story of Jesus together over this whole year in the Gospel according to Luke. We've paused in the month of January to talk about the experience of brokenness and transformation in the Christian life, and maybe even specifically talk about the experience of brokenness and transformation among the community of those of us who are following Jesus together. And we see this in the Scriptures and experience it in our own lives. We started the series with a couple weeks focusing on the grace of Jesus and how it is that Jesus' grace empowers us, allows us, invites us to come out of our hiding and to be our real selves in his presence and in his presence in and among one another. And we started off in week one talking about kind of the brokenness and shame that a lot of us feel from whatever's happened in our stories or in our relationships and how people come out of hiding, how we can come out of that and be authentic with one another and before God about that. And in the second week, uh, we talked specifically about our, like our failures, like our, our sins, the places where we failed to honor God and honor and love one another and talked about the grace of Jesus for that. And then here in, the, in those opening weeks of the series, that's been, I don't know about you, but for me, that's been a growthful time. And it's been uh, an important time, specifically in the life of my growth group, actually. It's been a time where I feel like God's Spirit has allowed us to take some risks and be open with each other and strengthen those relationships. That's been a gift to me, and I, I think it has been to us as a community. But it has also then raised the question that's brought us into the second half of the series, and that is... Once we've become more honest with ourselves or more honest with God and with one another about where we are in life, is that it? <laughs> we, we name that we're here and then God goes, that's good, thanks for telling me that. Are we stuck there? Or does God bring us forward anywhere? What about the power of God to work hope and transformation in our lives? And that's the question that we're going to talk about today. Starting way back in the beginning of the series, if you were here on January 7th, you might remember, and if not, I'll remind you right now, that we read a story about a whole bunch of people coming to Jesus. We read a story from the Bible about all kinds of people almost coming out of the woodwork, coming out of their hiding to Jesus and experiencing some hope and life-changing transformation, some healing. And we talked about how they first of all experienced his grace. As they trusted Jesus' grace, this empowered them to actually bring their stuff to him in the first place. And then they not only experience his grace, but they also experience his power to do something about it. And that's what I want to talk to you about today is that dynamic of how God's power works in our lives. And in particular, what I want to share with you today are three examples, biblical examples and examples from our own lives, of different ways that God's power works in us beyond our control. So the first one is this. 
Sometimes God's power works in our lives immediately, suddenly, totally transformationally. And this, I think, is the way that we are most conditioned to think about what God's power looks like. It's immediate and total and transformational. It's fast. I think one of the reasons that we are conditioned to think of God's power like this is because when we've heard stories about Jesus' life, we've heard or read for ourselves these fantastic stories of Jesus doing amazing works of healing in people's lives. That's how we started this series. And I just want to give you one other example to kind of make sure we all know what this looks like. So if you have your Bible with you uh, or borrow one from the ushers, just read a few verses with me. This is Luke chapter 5. We're going to read verses 24 through 26. I think I might even start one verse earlier in 23. As you're turning the pages, let me set the context. This is a story where a group of friends has brought one of their friends who's paralyzed. They've brought him on a mat or a stretcher to Jesus, but Jesus is so so popular that they can't get through the crowd into the house where he was, and so they climb up on the house, dig a hole in the roof. Be glad this wasn't your house, right? Dig a hole in the roof, and they let their friend down on his stretcher in front of Jesus. And, and then this is kind of what happens here. It's starting in verse 23. Jesus asks them, which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? Right? It's probably easier to say your sins are forgiven because no one will really know whether that's true or not. Right? You can't prove it empirically. right? But, but Jesus wanted them to know, I can do both. That's what the next verse says. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. I have that grace also, right? So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Your friends had to carry you here, let you down through the roof. Why don't you just walk out now? Immediately, (laughs) he stood up in front of them, took what he'd been lying on, and went home praising God. So would I. (laughs) Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God, and they were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. You think, (laughs) right? That's worth remarking on, right? I mean, sometimes Jesus did these tremendous immediate acts of transformation and healing in people's lives. And yet, I actually think that probably happened in Jesus' life less often than we think. I don't know about you, but I kind of imagine that he was just walking around, boom, 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 like, you, you know, anywhere that happened all the time. Jesus encountered thousands of people. We know sometimes he preached to crowds of 4,000, 5,000, probably more than 10,000 people at a time. And we've honestly kind of got a large handful of stories like this. Even this isn't, God works powerfully and immediately, though not all the time. I think another reason we're conditioned to experience or to expect God's power to work like this is honestly just because we really like fast things. (laughs) We like stuff to happen quickly for us. You know, I remember probably like five, ten years ago, whenever it was, that I first signed up for Amazon Prime. Have you ever used Amazon Prime? I was like, I get free two-day shipping? I don't have to wait five to seven days anymore? And that was awesome. And now I order my stuff, and I'm like, I got to wait two days for this now? Right? (laughs) Suddenly what was fast seems so slow to me. So we like for God to do things quickly in our lives. And, And maybe you have experienced this in your life. I believe I've seen this happen. I've experienced this in my own life. I believe that I've seen at least one time where I, saw some, where I saw God work to do a physical healing in somebody's life where they went from injured to whole suddenly. And it was an amazing and praiseworthy thing. Maybe you have experiences like that too where you've seen God work in your life that way. And it can happen in our bodies. I think it also happens sometimes in our hearts and souls and attitudes. Again, to use a personal example, there was a time some years ago, I would guess it was maybe five, 
plus years ago, kind of when we first began celebrating baptisms in White Bear Lake here as a community. It was one of the first couple years that we did that. I'd been going through a season uh, of kind of struggling with a, with a brokenness in a particular relationship of mine, and I was trying to work through something, and I just really wasn't getting very far <laughs> with that. And on that afternoon, we went there on a Sunday afternoon, and as I had the privilege of baptizing some of you and celebrating God's gift of new life in your lives, in our life together, God did a work of transformation in my heart too. And I went into the lake with one kind of burden and came out of the lake with being liberated from that. And it was just this transformation, this God taking something away from me that had been a burden before. And sometimes God does a spiritual act immediately of transformation and taking away some sort of temptation that's enslaving to you or some sort of bitterness or anger or brokenness in relationship or vengefulness or who knows what and just taking it away. And praise God for that when it happens that way. Sometimes God does his works of transformation and healing immediately and suddenly and dramatically in our lives. And later in the service today, we're going to have the opportunity in both of our worship venues to have some time for prayer after the message today. And and it may be that there's something in your life that you want to bring to God and invite his power and bring to Jesus like people did in those stories. This, This is my brokenness. And it may be that God wants to do an act of healing. His power will work in you that way today. It could be something like that. However, there's another way that God's power works in our lives too. And sometimes I have seen God's power work transformationally in our lives over time, right? When it's more of, I don't know if the word timeful is a word, but I find it useful. (laughs) So in, in a timeful process kind of way. Probably the clearest way to, the clearest example of that, the easiest example to understand that comes to mind for me is what a lot of us heard last week, if you were here in worship, when our guests from Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge were here. And they brought music to praise God, and they brought testimonies of the works of healing and liberation that God was doing in their lives. And I don't know if you noticed these themes or not, but one thing that really stood out to me was how God was working in their lives over time. I I would hear them say things like that, who got up to speak, who would say, I have been learning from God, or God has been teaching me what my identity really is, and how I can find my identity in him, and it's taking time for me to accept that and learn that. And God was teaching them something and doing something new in their heart. Or I remember somebody, I was in the traditional service last week, if you were in this side, if those of you were in the church service, maybe heard some of the same stories I heard. What I heard over there, another person talked about how God was setting her free from feelings of shame and rejection that had been kind of an early pattern in her life and was being healed of that over time and learning to accept it and take a step of faith kind of one step at a time. And, and how, what she would have said, how I used to medicate that with different substances, now God's setting me free from that. And so sometimes it takes a process of time like that. I wouldn't be surprised if there are things in your life, whether it's, whether it's a substance addiction or some other work of sin in our lives, that maybe you can relate to that. I know I can. When I think about the biblical stories for this, honestly, they're all over the place. But maybe one of the most foundational stories, kind of the paradigm for understanding this in the Bible, is the Old Testament story, I think, of God liberating the Old Testament Israelites from slavery in Egypt and leading them through a 40-year wilderness on their way to the promised land. And during that time, they learned to know God and they followed God. God had removed them from one place. They were set free from this. They were no longer there, but they were also not yet here. And there was this timeful journey where they learned to trust God there. 
And what I think is true in that story, and is also true in my experience, I think in the experience of Christian community, is oftentimes this way of God's power working in our lives especially invites our cooperation with God's power. It invites our trust and our application, our step-by-step obedience. In fact, there's a passage in the New Testament where the Apostle Paul applies this Old Testament story of sort of timeful liberation to our growth in obedience to God. He says, as Christians, if you've been baptized as a Christian, then it's sort of like when the ancient Israelites, you went through the waters of baptism, they went through the waters of the Red Sea, and God led them from slavery in Egypt, and God's taking you from slavery to sin and leading you to freedom, where now you can serve me. You're free to serve God instead. And what do you have to do as God has put to death an old life and raised up a new life? Paul's instructions to those Roman Christians he was writing to speak to us today, too. If that's what God has done, then what you should do is count yourselves dead to sin and alive to Christ. Agree with God about this and no longer offer yourselves as servants of sin, but rather offer yourselves as servants to God. I think it's one step at a time sometimes across the wilderness as God does his liberating work in us. It can be a a timeful process like that. And as we continue to worship and pray together just a little bit later in the service, it may be that you can recognize something in your life like that. It may be even that the, the powerful presence of the Spirit of God wants to prick your heart about something like that right now, and where you can invite the work of God to strengthen you and embolden you and give you direction to put one foot in front of the other as you receive God's work of liberation and apply it in your life. Sometimes God's power works in our lives immediately and dramatically. Sometimes it takes time. And the third way I think we see in the scriptures and in our experience that God's power brings hope and transformation in our lives is the one we probably want to hear about the least. (laughs) And the best way for me to start describing this is to give you an example of a prayer that we pray together about once a year. And I'm glad to have our ninth graders in worship right now, and we prayed for you guys, both in traditional and contemporary services today. And at our confirmation services, when, when most or all of you, when you're in 10th grade in the fall, will be confirming your faith in Jesus, we will be praying a prayer over you. And we pray this prayer together every year, and, and this is what we pray over each student. We say, Father in heaven, for Jesus' sake, stir up your Holy Spirit, stir up in, and then we'll say one of your names, and we'll say, stir up in them your, your spirit. Confirm their faith, right? Help them to trust you, strengthen their faith. We'll say, guide their life. Help them to know what direction you're leading. We all want God's guidance in our life. Empower them in their serving and their life of love of neighbor and service to you and service to others. And then we have this line that grips my heart every time we pray it for you. We pray that. We pray, guide their life. And then we pray, empower them in their serving. And then we pray, give them patience in suffering. (laughs) I'm sorry for this right now. (laughs) I'm actually not. (laughs) Sorry, not sorry. (laughs) We're going to pray for that because we know that sometimes the way that God's power works in us is not yet to take away the challenges that we face in life, but rather to do it in eternity. (laughs) That God's power is still to bring healing and hope and transformation. What God's power is in the present is to give us supernatural strength to endure it and God's power in eternity beyond our time frame to bring healing and transformation into our lives. Right? In, the, in the New Testament book of Philippians, a letter to the Philippians, 
This Apostle Paul, again, wrote to the Philippians, I have confidence that he, that God, who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion in the day of Jesus Christ, <laughs> right? Imagine they were real excited when they heard that until the last phrase, right? God will bring that to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. Sometimes it seems to me that we're working on too limited of a time frame for what God will do in us, that our expectations are actually really short on a cosmic scale. And I think the reason that Paul had the credibility and the insight even to write that was because he'd experienced that also in his own life. And I want to give you an example of that from the life of one of the early Christian leaders whom we usually call the Apostle Paul. And if you want to read this with me, this is a pretty important passage. Uh, you know, they're all kind of important, but this one's important right now. So if you would open up your Bibles with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to read verses 7 through 10. If you're trying to find it in here, it's on page, um, I think that might not be the right page number. I got page 1700 right here, and it's way down at the bottom of that page. Just a couple words, and then we'll read the top of page 1701. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. Paul said, in order to keep me from being conceited, right? So I wouldn't be full of myself and overconfident and puffed up. I was given a thorn in my flesh. Have you ever heard that phrase before? This is where that comes from. A messenger of Satan, wow, to torment me. And then Paul said, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. I bet you can relate to that. There's something, there's some brokenness in my life. God, take it away. Take it away. Maybe he means three times a day I pleaded to take it away from me. I don't know. But he prayed three times, take it away from me. But he, God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. You've got what you need in my grace. For my power is made perfect in weakness. It's not only where the world sees power, where the world goes, that was amazing that God's power is made complete. But even sometimes in our, weak, our weakness in ourselves and our dependence on him. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. I know almost nobody who boasts about their weaknesses. So that Christ's power, not mine, so that Christ's power may rest on me. and People will see him and not me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. In Paul's case, his experience of this sort of thing, which I think is very common in our experiences, Paul's experience of this sort of thing included an understanding of why it was happening. And I bet if you found yourself in this situation, you would love to have that too. And sometimes we do, and sometimes we don't. And whether we understand why or whether we don't understand why, our God is still trustworthy in every circumstance. You know, it, it, if there's a Bible story that best illustrates God's power to work in our lives over time in the present time, then it's probably that Old Testament story of God liberating the Israelites and moving them over a long period of time through the wilderness. But if there's an example in the Bible that I think teaches us this most powerfully, it's the example of the cross of Jesus himself. Because it was in Jesus' own suffering and in Jesus' own death. It's where Jesus was broken. It's where Jesus was captive. It's where the situation in his life seemed the most hopeless. When when Jesus himself prayed to God, God, take this cup from me. Let this cup pass from me. Yet, not my will, but thine be done. And God did not take that cup from Jesus. 
God did not rescue even Jesus from death until after death, right? And that, too, is the trustworthy, transformative, eternally hope-giving power of God that we can trust in Jesus Christ. And thus, we can boast in our weaknesses. And thus, we can do what Paul says, even to delight in insults or hardships, to find joy even there, because we trust the power of God to do that in us now and to transform us, maybe now, maybe over time, certainly in all eternity. It turns out the power of God looks like the cross of Christ. Over the course of this series, right, we started talking about the powerful grace of Jesus, the, the irresistible grace of Jesus that draws us to himself, that calls us out of hiding, that empowers us, that gives us the courage to take a risk on him, to come out of our hiding into his presence and even to the presence of the Spirit of God in one another, in community and relationship with one another, and to experience his grace, his acceptance, his forgiveness, his welcome. And we've learned together last week and in reflecting on God's word today about the power of God to love us where we are and not to leave us there, to work in our lives immediately over time and in eternity. And what we're going to do now in both of our worship venues as our worship services are designed is just to continue to move into God's presence and to open our hearts to receive what he wants to do in us. And uh, it's going to be a little different in each of our worship venues, and we'll explain that in just a couple minutes. But right now, I think I'm going to begin us in a time of prayer, of bringing this stuff to God. And whatever that is that you feel like God may be speaking to your heart about, whatever has come to the surface for you as we read God's word together, I invite you to bring that to him and trust that he will work in you beyond your own control. Thank God. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we trust that you are good. You've come to us. You've come to us in the person and the character of Jesus so that we would know what your heart is like, so that we would come to understand what your grace is like, so that we would see how your power works in our lives. You didn't leave us here just hoping maybe it would work out, but rather came to show us and to find us, to pursue us and bring us to yourself. And you know everything about us. And you know where the pain is, and you know where the sin is, and you know where the brokenness is. We come out of hiding, not that we were hiding anything from you in the first place. And we offer these things to you, God. Sometimes we like to cling to them and hold them so closely to ourselves because we're embarrassed or because we've just grown used to it. But we pray by your spirit that you would open up our clinging hands and that you would take our sin and brokenness and that you would speak your words and, and move and breathe your spirit of power into our lives to give us your forgiveness and to give us your healing. And even as we join together in this place, God, that you would continue to move in our hearts and that you would move in our community. Do what you want to do in us. We, we trust you. We trust you and we give our hands and our lives into the guidance and power of your spirit. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.